All right, welcome back to the Whitetail Experience Podcast. This is your host, Byron Horton. I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening, and I was not going to do a podcast this week whatsoever, but the audio I captured at the Mobile Hunter Roadshow, I think, deserves to go out to the RSS feed, and that is because a guy asked a kind of a high-level question, how do you find a, a good buck for you? And the individuals involved here have killed a lot of solid deer, uh, ranging from public private a lot of terrain hunters with you know the the panel and i think the audio i captured is worth <laughs> sending out a podcast had a really good time at the road show i uh, got to meet uh people look at some other things myself got a 0.75 in the 17 hmr smoked a groundhog this morning on coffee break i mean the day is great it is a monday when i'm recording this and we are we are alive and well we got a cup of coffee here the let's see here whitetail wise i'm gonna do a little bit of bs in here mobile hunter talk yeah i'm gonna talk about some mobile hunter stuff and then i will let that audio rip from the road show as for whitetail oriented work i got oh a solid amount of cams out i think i got seven out the other day so that's you know, always at top of mind. My goal is to kind of pick one or two days and kind of get another five to seven cams out a day by, let's call it August, August 15th-ish. And then I'll start checking and moving and shaking on those in September. Uh, the other main thing we got going on is I got a 0.75 in. So I will be playing with that and looking at stick configurations Last year I ran primarily the minis, and I know that the .75 in the upgrades they've done has got some extra strapping options, and so utilizing that strap to hold my sticks, the doubles might come back into play for me. If that means I can just put them on the 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 I beam and cinch them down, that is a pretty quick slick setup versus doing any sort of J hooks or uh, bungee type doodads as well and i'm also a fan of the xop doubles because you can stack them side profile um they are a touch heavy but i only take three sticks i would say from the mobile hunter road show a few things that like stuck out maybe from like me speaking with people or stuff i do slightly different than the panel that was there i uh tow ropes came up and a couple guys used the retractable tow ropes i do not do this um not saying i wouldn't I mean, but a lot of guys, you know, will tie that up and then ascend the tree with sticks and, and then pull their, their bow up. A lot of guys will go once. I go twice. I'm a big fan of that. I believe it's a smart way to do things, especially from a rut hunter's perspective. I walk into the woods in like a base layer top or sweatshirt and then like hiker pants. So I'm going to hang my stand in that setup. Then I'm going to come down to the base of the tree and put on bibs and a jacket and that kind of stuff and then go back up to hunt. I guess if I didn't film early October, I could probably get away with going once. Uh, but for forever, the whole White Tail Experience team, we've kind of just, we'll go twice due to layering, due to filming. Uh, most of the time, at least. Um, but again, back to the tow rope. I like to hang my step, uh, stand on the stand, and at that point, look down and pick the best route to pull my bow up. Um, 
a lot of times that can prevent climbing and like your tow rope grabs a hold of your stick and kicks it out. A lot of times like your tow rope will get tangled in the green briar at the base of the tree. So by, by being up top, you can like pick limbs or kind of see the hillside and, and realize, oh, okay, it's, it, my, I don't want to pick my bow up and have it swing immediately to the left and hit a branch. So I, I like, you know, doing that as part of my setup. And, and some guys were like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I've definitely been swearing at the base of the tree when my tow rope gets tangled up in Greenbrier. So I thought that was worth mentioning on here. Another thing I do is I have, instead of a screw-in bow holder, um, I use a screw-in step because it's multi-dimensional. Uh, I can stand on it if I need. I guess I only take three sticks, so I could potentially use that to to like super get up there or stretch around the crotch of a tree in a much safer manner. And if the DNR is listening, we have tried to turn in several poachers. So coming after me for using one single screw in item to a tree, I'm going to tell you to kick rocks. Um, anything else major, you know, the can jam, the night eye, um, I, I like to attach my, my clothes using that setup. And, Oh, something I've, I've done for a little bit is is run my camera arm underneath my seat and that's because when I'm set up then my camera arm is right there at hip level ready to put on you know to the tree so it kind of makes for, for nice it does does weigh the stand down a, a bit um, I have transitioned I bought some kafaru straps uh, Zach Robs pointed out that those are the same price as just the Kuyu strap system and so I, I ordered those for my 0.75 because I felt like they were a little better to get onto a tree stand after looking at Zach Rob's setup at ATA. Uh, right now I do have the QU straps on there and they're, they're sweet, don't get me wrong. They're definitely a Cadillac over uh, other options on the market. And, and they are even a touch better than, say, the eBay Mully systems. Um, which are great, we've used those for years, but uh, I think those are like 50 bucks versus... I think the the QU's kind of around that $75 range. Something uh, Josh Prophet pointed out at the show was he likes using oh a Prusik not sort of am still doodad guy on his sticks. And so I might look at that. I haven't been a, a fan of ropes on my sticks for a couple years just because it's a it's a round object against the tree. You get a lot more surface area using the, the buckle method. But uh, being able to, to uh, tighten that was very appealing. And then Cody gave me a 20-inch double step from Custom Gear. And the way you can run that sh- the, the strap on the stick around, like, the, the side of the center beam, I guess is the best way to describe it, going from, like, top to bottom, that has some appeal to me as far as just easy to get on and off there. So I, I may look to go back to the, the Lone Wolf Custom Gear Doubles. That and I ran some trail cam, so you're using a double step there, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is really nice. Um, but I thought that was worth mentioning, that I might look at, at that attachment method after ditching ropes for the last last year. So the panel of guys here is pretty solid. Uh, the guy you'll hear first, I believe his name is uh, David Miller. And he hunts West Virginia, so for our listening audience, the hill country stuff, some of what he talks about. And the kind of question was, uh, how do you kind of break down finding big deer? Jake Bush, I believe, speaks second. Uh, I did not record my self-talk because I I just don't do that. Uh, (laughs) Justin, I believe, speaks third. 
and he's Cisco fourth, and then Cody himself. But a pretty, pretty solid panel. A touch of wind noise. I do have like more of a video on our YouTube, but I thought the audio of this, because podcasts are a little easier to consume. We don't reach as many people on, on the podcast, unfortunately. Our YouTube seems to be the place people find us. So there's more of a visual of the show that I've edited up at this point. But, yeah, appreciate you guys listening. If you're going to pick up any custom gear, enter code WEXP at checkout. Also, we are a month out from Deer and Beer Night. Oh, my gosh, it is coming in hot. That will be the third Thursday, I believe, in July, 721. Free admission. There is zero cost. There is zero website clicking to do. Please just show up and drink some free beer. Watch me shoot a deer on video. Um, and we got door prizes. XOP will be giving away a uh, stand stick uh, combo. I don't know if I'll split those up as two door prizes because um, that would be a pretty sweet deal. But yeah, no admission. Just show up, make it happen. All right, guys, enjoy the road show. Uh, not too much wind interference, but it does blow just a touch. We recorded this outside. So. Appreciate you guys. Team Harder and Bucks, we are out. Don't minimize all that bad. Well, I'm sorry. Let me back that up. No, I usually start with a satellite map to identify any um, any residential areas. Um, I also look on Onyx and identify property lines, where I can, where I can't be, any public, any private that I have access to. I find out where I can and where I can't be, and then I start to look at the aerial aerial perspective of that. Um, with satellites then I move from that and I start to look at the topo topo lines and I start to look at how I think the deer will will use that particular property uh, in southern West Virginia where I hunt primarily the uh, the terrain's very rugged very steep and that that helps to sort of guide and and tell me where the deer will want to use a lot unless they're pressured they will use the path of least resistance many times or they'll use areas where they can transition from one region to the next so looking at that and starting to learn and you using your cameras to tie in with your maps like after once you what i'll start out with a piece of property and i'll begin to drop pins i'll be like okay here's a saddle pin i'm going to put a trail camera there Okay, I'm going to look at this long ridge that dumps into like four hollows where a, a big buck could come up uh, and, and check does, you know what I mean? Transition from one hollow to the next. Could be a couple different harems of does. I'm going to put two cameras up here. And I start dropping those pins. I have basically already scouted this area without even setting foot on it. Then I go in those areas and I start to put the puzzle pieces together. I start to put the cameras out. You know, do this in early season, right? Through the spring and summer, watch deer develop, watch deer coming in and out of areas. And then I start to look, at least in West Virginia, this is how it is, in the upper third of the mountain, kind of the first flat off of the ridge, kind of those magic benches. You know, they'll come off the ridge areas, come out of the deep hollows where it's cool, up onto the ridges, and they'll they'll start to use that first third off of the mountain. Um, and then, I'll- Deer cut? Well, I bet you the bedding is going to be closer to that transition line of that clear cut as opposed to the ridge point. But in a lot of circumstances, if the timber is the same, the bedding will be like closer towards the ridge point in different bowls, things like that. So I, uh, I'll locate, you know, 
20, 25 spots like that in the springtime and I'll go scout every one of them. I'll put boots on the ground. I'll try to find every bed that I can. I'll try, I, I mark every bed down so I know how to navigate through those areas if I wanna hunt like a specific bed. Um, once I get done locating beds, I'm looking for specific food sources. So I'm looking for like a white oak flat, single white oak trees, greenbrier patches. Is there a private ag field a mile away that they're gonna be traveling to? I'm trying to put all these, all these things together and then once I have the food and I have the bedding, I'm looking at terrain features in between the two of them as well. So, you know, if I expect a deer to travel, let's say 200 yards in daylight, and there's a terrain feature like the top of a hog's back of a ridge 100 yards after the bedding, maybe I'll hunt that or I'll at least have a camera there. Uh, if it's very monotonous terrain, I'll push a lot closer. Like last year I was 80 yards from my buck when he was bedded and he got up and dropped down to a white oak flat and I killed him. Which brings me to my next point, the importance of running cameras, especially for targeting like the top tier bucks on public land. So, you know, I might scout 20 different pieces of public a year and maybe there's only one or two of those pieces that hold a deer that I want to chase. So it's really important for me to run as many cameras as possible in these really high in these areas that I have a lot of uh, high expectations in, just trying to locate a deer. That's the, that's the number one thing that I need to do is find a deer to kill above everything else. Um, so I'll run cameras on the hub scrapes down in the bottoms where all the ridges kind of fan down and meet. I'll run the cameras on secondary food sources. I'll run the cameras on any sort of terrain feature that I can find. I don't generally run cameras over bedding because I don't want to I don't want to intrude throughout the year to check them and I don't want to maybe even spook that deer off his bed with like a camera flash or anything like that. I try not to do that. Um, and I don't really run cameras on primary food sources either. Reason being is the majority of the deer that I'm chasing just aren't making it to that food source in daylight and I would rather use that camera for daytime intel somewhere. That's very important to me. Your number one buck. At what point when he if he disappears or changes patterns or at what point do you make the decision to shift to buck number two on your list uh it doesn't take me very long i mean if i if i think that deer is completely off the property or whatever i'm not going to set back and wait for a ghost all year is it there's is there is there something that tees you off like you just a lack of tracks or lack of fresh like rubs or like what tees you it, off to make it could decision? be from an observations you know numerous observation sets it could be from you know the lack of trail camera pictures that I'm now getting from the deer or sometimes it's just gut feeling you know of thinking the deer is off the property that's such a tough it tough sucks and it's a bad spot to be in and I don't like it but it happens well the thing is too though like there's also a certain there's a certain point in time to where like if you're quick to give up sometimes you I'm gonna tell I, you right. You know, I mean, like, there's been. I mean, last year is a prime example of that. I had a deer that I had pictures of in the summer, and I lost track of him. I couldn't find him. I got onto another deer. I was hunting that deer hard. I killed him. The night, the evening I killed my buck, I was sitting in a truck with a buddy, waiting on another buddy to show up to go pull my deer out, and my cell cam went off, and there he was. And he was. 30 inches bigger. Uh, mine's usually second week of December. I'll pick out a target buck and spend every, I'll 
check out all these other areas. Oh, you give it a time, like an actual calendar date. Yeah, he does. It's pretty cool. So, wait, so, so the, uh, can you add content? So by that, you mean you, you wait to make a shift to a second buck by the second week of December? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah, second week of December. So I usually find, if I can find one, I find a target buck, uh, you know, hopefully before October 1. And I'll concentrate my whole time on that target buck. And in my spare time, I'm running different cameras on other farms trying to locate other bucks in case something happens to that one. Backup plan. Have you yeah. ever hunted down a small buck? Yes. Yeah, just because you were like... Oh yeah, well usually, like like I was telling somebody, usually the bucks that I kill in late season are Management. 20 to 30 inches smaller than what I passed up during the regular season. It's just how it works out. Yeah. Um, but, um, so what I do is I then I concentrate all my efforts on him and sometimes, you know, he's like gone, but I keep waiting on him to show back up. I keep hunting, keep picking through the area, scouting, hoping that something's gonna tee me off to where I can get on him. And then if it goes through, our gun season is uh, the Monday after Thanksgiving. So as, once it goes through that, you get through the gun season and he hasn't showed back up again, then I'll uh, change my uh, tactics on the other bucks, other areas. See, and I'm way too impatient for that. I can't, I, I wish I could do that, but I can't. And <laughs> I get a week or two in the season. You're like, I know there's a big nine point in this part of the property. I'm trying to kill that big nine point. But you're still, but does that make sense? Like what I'm saying? Um, like, but you're not spending all season fun? No, so one. so like I guess what trips my trigger now is, is absolutely no information, I guess. Hmm. And instead of... Um, like I just want to go out there and hunt, and I want to, you know, use like 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 woodsmanship and just scout and walk and just just be there, be present in in the timber. Because for so long I felt like I, it was like a job to me, and I was trying to find a specific deer, and I was trying to do so much of this uh, that. But I'm also a guy. I'm I'm a, I say don't overthink, because I'm the biggest overthinker there is. So when I do things like that. And I start to look at maps too hard, or I start to run cameras. I take way too much stock in what those things are giving me, and then I end up failing even more. It's the same thing with like you know, uh, there was one year I shot my bow every day during the summer. One year out of my entire life, right? I missed three deer that year. Like in, in the you know, so I don't know if that even makes sense as a, as an example, but so the way I'm doing it now is I'm looking for a deer, but I'm doing that in the moment. Now I know that coming about it this way it's gonna be a, it's a way more long shot and a shot in the dark like when I came down here and I started scouting I had no prior intel and it sucked and I wished oh man if I only had five cameras to set out like but it was one of those things where I was like okay I'll just you know trust the process and and, and keep on trucking and um, ended up getting on some some good deer didn't get one shot but it's, so yeah it's just a little different for me now I'm 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 all about walking, um, uh, seeing all the areas. Uh, I do utilize maps a lot now to, to save things that I'm seeing. Um, but does that make sense? I, I'm trying to think. Well, I think, I think to your point too is there's been a lot of woodsmanship that's been lost. Because, yeah, I agree. and I, I'll be the first to admit that even myself, I've got trapped in, in that trail camera thing before where I'm relying on them so much because you're so busy in life, you know, with family and work and everything that, you know, that we all have going on all the time. But sometimes I think it's good to step back and get away from them a little bit and let your natural instincts and 
your woodsmanship take over in moments. And, yeah, and sometimes, you know, like I mentioned before about seeing deer skirt camp,